0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Pocket Thoughts. Big milestone for us here at Educating Entrepreneurs and Pocket Thoughts as we hit our 20th podcast episode. I'm very glad we've made it this far and can't wait to provide you guys with more episodes and more useful content. On today's episode we talk about what strategy we use to gain followers on social media and what we look for when following different accounts. Our second question is what is our favorite quote or phrase and why? And our final question for today is what is some thing or multiple things you do to stay on track and focused to a goal or vision we finally have an ee update so look forward to that at the end of the show and i hope you guys all have a great week Buddy, welcome to Pocket Thoughts. We've got Bobby, we've got Brady, we've got Joey, and we've got me, Brandon. We're all back together for the first time in what feels like forever.
1: I think three years,
0: right? I'm excited. Who else is excited?
1: Oh,
2: woo, me!
0: We've got a great episode for you guys, as usual. Who wants to start with their question?
2: You know what? You know who starts off with a bang every week? Yep. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon.
0: Brandon. Brandon. All right. Bingo. I I shouldn't even ask anymore. I I should just start every time, I guess. So my question this week is, we kind of touched on it last week uh, when Bobby and I were talking about how Bobby is destroying me in our little competition that he started where we were keeping track of how many followers we could get for our social media accounts that we had on Instagram. Uh, So Bobby has his Master to the Start podcast. Uh, Last time we checked, he was at about 900 followers. I was at about 350 for pocket or educating entrepreneurs. So my question is, what is your strategy, Bobby, for gaining those followers and maintaining those followers? And for Brady and Joey, my question is, when you see a social media account that you just start following, why do you keep coming back and liking the posts?
1: Good question. Bobby, you want to start since you're the most uh, social media apt?
2: Yeah, I would just say when it comes to creating a following, it's actually kind of simple if you're willing to put in some of the time. So the reason why I'm beating Brandon by so much is because I have more people that can do what I want them to do. When you're trying to gain followers, it really just comes down to following people in your demographic. It's really as simple as that. And you can find different accounts that you wanna mimic and then look at who they're following and you could follow them. But I don't think that's quite specific enough. I think you need to actually look at who's commenting on those posts and follow those individuals. Cause you know those individuals are active on social media, but I also would say on top of that, you can't just follow people and then unfollow them. It's really important to talk to people. You have to remember that social networking is still networking. So a lot of the networking rules still apply. And if you go to our Educating Entrepreneurs page, you can find a blog on networking. You will eventually find more information in our module one, but... It follows the same rules, so that means when you're on social media, you legitimately have to find people you want to follow, look through their posts, like their posts, and leave a couple of genuine comments. Like, we're not talking comments that involve just cool pick" or awesome, dude. They have to be genuine in the sense where you're actually maybe writing a sentence or two, because not a lot of people are writing a sentence or two on people's posts. That helps a lot, and... You have to be consistent, like really consistent. And you have to spend some time reaching out to people through DMs. You have to switch it up. And you have to remember, it's just like any other form of marketing. When you're marketing to anyone, it's like seven touch points is the average sale. Think of every person that comes to your site or your social media page as a sale. And you're converting a sale. So essentially, you need to create seven touch points for them, whether you like a few pictures over the span of a couple weeks you DM them a few times and then eventually they're going to see you and they'll eventually start following you. What do you say in your DMs? A lot of the people that I follow are probably, or a large majority that I actually talk to. I don't know what my interns necessarily do, but the people that I talk to, they're business professionals. So like with my personal account, I'm always reaching out to them and like, here's the deal. I know you're in accounting or whatever else. What information can I provide for you? What kind of free content can I make for you? How can I improve your life? Because that's legitimately all my page is here for. I'm not here to push stuff on you. I'm here to provide you value constantly. So like I actually get a lot of people responding when it comes down to that kind of stuff. Or if I see a post I really like, I shoot a quick DM and say, hey, do you have more information on that? Or where did you learn that stuff? Or I genuinely really love that information. And do you mind if I tag you in something in the future? The very last thing that I was gonna say before Brandon asked that question is I think you need to really mix it up. Like you can never feel comfortable with what you're doing. I personally believe you have to see what's working and once something's working, I would almost just switch to a completely different strategy and just test it for a few weeks and see if it works you can never get stagnant. I'm currently working on doing something unique with all of our social media pages, and I'm hoping it'll start launching over the next couple of days. But I'm essentially making enormously long infographics. And so like with my personal account, I'm gonna be making about a 40 post infographic that will come together and fill up the entire wall. So it's gonna be like 40 individual posts, but it's gonna make one enormous picture. And I have all these things within that picture so people can follow along with it. I'm doing it with Gomahi right now as a reveal of our website. And I'll be doing it with our co-working space. But it's just, you need to keep creating things that people haven't seen, or you need to keep providing them with content that they don't get other places. And it has to be genuine. You can't impersonate anyone. Even with our educating entrepreneurs thing, I think the content has been great. But if you look through the page, when it comes to videos and audio, We essentially have the same picture with audio behind it. People eventually just stop clicking on that probably because they just assume it's the same or they already know what it does. So you have to keep people guessing. And I think it's a lot of work, but it's important. Um, I'm not like a good person to ask because honestly,
1: I don't really have like a a lot of a social media presence or like follow a lot of things on social media. But what I will say is when I did do it, and I I still do go on once in a while now, but my biggest thing is like, can it bring value to my life? Me as a person, like something that I'm working on, like, and I think that's different in every case, right? So if I am interested in in finance or if I'm interested in entrepreneurship or I'm interested in um, just building myself as a person or what stage I'm at in my life, it's going to be different, like. The accounts that I've followed throughout when I had my social media in high school versus what I have now is vastly different. Um, so I think it depends a lot on the demographic and what those people are looking for, what stage they're at in their life, and then also the value they're bringing. And mine, I think Bobby brought up a really good point at the end, is like keep you on your toes. Like if I'm seeing the same thing over and over and over, I think those are a lot of the accounts that I end up unfollowing just because, like, oh yeah, I got like even if even if their first five posts I saw provided value to me. I got that value. Now I want to see not something different, but like teach me something new, you know, not so much like if you already told me one thing or are on this pathway, like I got that. I under like I understood it. I've seen three, four or five posts about it already. Then just like wanting to see like new original content. And I think a big thing for me too is, and I think Bobby touched on this as well, is the original content piece. When you can see stuff that you don't think you can find anywhere else that you think like is being produced original by, by someone and not being kind of like quote unquote recycled. Um, that's stuff that I like to see because I think a lot of it now is people kind of recycling other things. So personally, like what I'm looking for is like value to my life, originality, and then something that's different on a day to day, week to week basis. Those would be my my three big ones.
3: You follow basically what you want to get out of it. So one tactic that I use is if there's an account that I follow that I want to kind of brought on my horizons about I might go to that account check who they're following or see who follows them maybe and kind of just explore in there and see if there's any maybe larger accounts or maybe something that's a little more interesting in that subject that I'd like to explore I think that would be kind of my my main tactic there but I don't know I don't really have any specific tactics I would say in social media it's just kind of browsing and checking it out. I'm not like extremely active on it. My question for today for you guys is pretty simple. It's what's your favorite quote or what's your favorite phrase and why? Do you like to incorporate that into your life or what's the reasoning behind this, this quote?
2: Mine would be observe the masses and do the opposite. I have no idea who that quote is from I just know that I've had it as my background on my computer for the last five years and I read it every day. I think the biggest reminder is for me is just you need to be you as tough as it is over and over again. Because I think when you are doing something different than everyone else and you're not in the norm, it takes a long time. And with the constant pressures around you, it's hard to stick to that journey. And there are a lot of moments that you want to quit and just succumb to whatever normalcy might be in your life. I just read it every day. I think it's really important to think outside of the box. I think it's really important to be different. But I also think the first half of that quote, observing the masses, is still important. I think it's still really important to observe what people do. It's important to analyze the trends of current society, and either figure out how to mimic those trends differently or do something entirely different that people have never seen before. I guess that piggybacks off of the social media kind of stuff. You can look at what people are doing and how to display that information. But by making sure you do the opposite, it separates you from the crowd and makes you more popular in a sense. So that's my quote that I live and die by. I like that one. That's a that's a good one. The one that I
1: remember is the richest place on earth, earth is the graveyard because it's where you'll find all the, all the people's dreams that are unfulfilled. It's by Les Brown. For me, it's like a dose of reality. That's like the same as what Bobby was saying. Like that's the one that I kind of think about, honestly, every day. Not in like a dark death sort of way, but in like a, pushes you to get things done and, and go do what you want to do in life and pursue things. So the whole quote is, I, I, I pulled it up here, but the quote is by Les Brown and it's, the graveyard is the richest place on earth, because it is there that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, and the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was afraid to take the first step. I don't know why. I read this in a in a book a couple of years ago, and it's just like, for me, it's like a really like shocking dose of reality, because at first glance, it sounds really stupid, like, what's the richest place on earth? Oh, it's the graveyard. But when you start to think about it, you think of so many people that like all throughout their lives had a dream or an ambition to do something. I think life gets in the way. It's like people get comfortable doing what they're doing. Things come up, people have problems, hurdles come up and people don't want to go through what it takes to to get to wherever their dreams are. And then they put those on hold or they make excuses for why they can't get there or why they don't want them anymore. And I think the last thing, like in my life, the last thing I would ever want to do is look back and say, I wish I would have done X or I wish I would have accomplished X. Like, if I fail trying, that's, that's totally different. But um, for me, it's just like a big dose of reality. And um, that's one of the ones like how Bobby was saying, it's something I think about every day. And I love like the meaning behind it.
2: I love that quote. That's a good quote.
1: Isn't it? Or it's I a good would,
0: thought. I should, yeah, should say. it's just a thought process. Like, like dark, but it's good.
1: I don't think it's dark, though. I either. think it's just
0: like the, gra- the graveyard thing is. But I get what you're saying. It like makes at sense. First, glance,
2: yeah. Yeah, first glance, I can see how it is, but. But that also makes me scared cuz that I can't imagine all the people that go to the grave with regrets on their deathbed and the idea of dying with regrets is just that's horrifying to me. Like I'm not even scared of death, I'm just scared of dying with regrets. That's got
1: to be the scare like one of the scariest things in life, right? Like not so much like actually dying, but like if you died right now, how many things did you not do that you wanted to do? Or like how many things did you want to accomplish or could you have accomplished to me? I agree with you. Like, that's scary. Like, Oh yeah, everybody dies, whatever. But like, you want to go on your deathbed and be like, I did everything I wanted to do. Like I made the impact I wanted to make. Like I tried everything I wanted to try and like some of the stuff failed and maybe it didn't work out exactly as planned, but like how much farther like, along are you going to be like in your own personal journey and in your own life and like helping other people, impacting other people, just at least trying that stuff than saying like, ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm too worried to fail than
0: then to do it. So yeah. I don't know for me. It's a dose of reality, but so mine is uh, it's pretty simple. It's keep going. It's uh from a rapper, Mike stud. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just something like simple to think about whenever you're doing anything. Cause like there is something bigger ahead and you could just give up then and not do anything about it. Or you could keep going and reach that success or whatever it may be. So I mean, whenever I'm doing something or, like, feeling down or whatever, I just think, like, keep going, and it's just as simple mm-hmm. as that. Short and sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine is
3: also pretty short and sweet. It is – I don't know if it's someone that actually said this or someone can get credit for this quote. but uh, Mike Studd. Yeah, well, let's credit Mike Stud for this one too. It is, why not? I think that is just a great quote because – I mean, it it represents basically just like a leap of faith. It represents kind of getting out of your comfort zone and trying something new. And whenever I think about this quote, it's always when I'm going to do something idiotic or stupid. And it's like the last thing I say before I go do this thing, whether that's go up and talk to someone, whether that's if I'm cliff jumping in the water or something like that, why not? And just go for it. It's it's so applicable to so many different circumstances. And I feel like it's a quote that has really helped me. And it's not something you really look into, but it's a quote that's really helped me branch out, get out of my comfort zone and just give random crap a try. And I think it's been really useful for me.
1: I love that one. There's a really good video I've seen before. It's like a motivational video and it's why, why not? And then why not me? Um, And it's like the same along the same lines that you were just saying. Um, like, why do you want to do something? And then if like, you decide, like your, if you, your choice is to not do it, like why not do it? And then if there is something that like other people have accomplished, like, why not me? Like you're in the same boat as anybody that's ever been ultra successful, you know? So like, there's no reason that you can't go do it too. It's like one of the great, if I can find it all, I'll send it to you guys, but I was just trying to find it and I'm not on the right one. So, <laughs> but I like that one.
2: I like that both of your guys' quotes were only like, two words. Simple. Yeah.
3: I'm not re- I'm not really a word guy,
2: Bob. And they're good. Like, they're good quotes.
3: I like Brady's quote.
2: Me too. That's a
3: very unique one that I've never heard and very thought-provoking.
2: It's probably my new favorite quote. I'm going to replace it. So my question is, based around,
1: um, like, goals, achieving goals, or or vision, or or what have you, what is one thing or multiple things that you do to stay on track when you have, whether it's a small goal or a large goal, a short-term goal, long-term goal, what do you do to, like, get over those hurdles, make sure that you're staying on track and, and getting to where you want to go and kind of like hitting the milestones that you want to hit if it's a long-term goal.
0: I think mine also kind of has to do with my quote is keep going. How I see it is there's something at the end. And whether that's success or just completing something, I think that's what puts pushes me through everything is, or most of the things is that there's something big at the end. It's going to be worth it having something there at the end and pushing through it and knowing that all that hard work is going to pay off in the end.
1: So just pushing through, pushing through when times get tough, pushing through one
0: at all times. Yep. And does that work? It can get emotionally draining or mentally draining, but I don't know. I think that like when I do stuff at work, I could say I'll, e- I could easily save this for tomorrow, but if I don't get it done today, then that's just going to be more work for tomorrow. And then I'm just going to be, pissed off that I didn't do it the day before. So why not just get it done and push through it and stay late if I need to and not have to worry about it tomorrow and get more stuff done tomorrow.
2: Like I wasn't just being an a-hole. I was actually wondering because I don't think I could, I don't think that would work for me. Like, I just don't think I could push through every day if the only thing that got me through every day was just to keep going, essentially. Yeah. So I was kind of curious. So, why do you keep going every day?
0: So, I'm just thinking about it like my example I just gave with work. Like, not, like, having more on your plate for the next day or just, like, something like that where not loading it on and avoiding it and then having to worry about it whenever it comes up again.
2: So, my answer is going to be a little long. So, bear with me. I know. So... Wow, we're actually hitting a couple of topics that are in our module one of our EE course. So in the future, everyone, look for Module One in June and you're gonna find how to form your vision and you're gonna find what was our other one that we already? Yes, goal setting. So I've kind of already explained this in a previous podcast the way I kind of figure out goals and visions, and we also, kind of walked through it once with Brandon on one of the podcasts. I still truly believe in setting a someday goal and then breaking it down into a five-year, a one-year goal, a monthly goal, a weekly goal, a daily goal, and a now goal. So I think this idea of thinking big essentially forces you to connect one goal with the next over time. So like when you do the breakdown like that, it forces you to look through every step of the process and figure out how realistic it is, or if you need to make that goal bigger, whatever it is. And I think it's really important if you go through that exercise of making a someday goal and breaking it down to the now goal, I think it's really important that you write it down. Because when you write down that someday goal, and then you have a whole plan written out, it gives you a North Star to follow. And you can actually double check to see how you're progressing. If you're on time, if you're not, you should really be setting a timeline essentially so the reason why I said my turn was gonna be a little long is because I just heard this story and it kind of blew my mind because I actually think this is maybe how we should all goal set, and I just can't believe a human being did this. A woman named Shelly Archabiu. I don't know how to say her last name, so sorry, Shelly. Essentially, she was the CEO of MetricStream and she was running a billion-dollar company, and she talked about How she became a CEO. So, for some context, she's a woman and she's an African American. And this was, she started her journey back in like the 1980s. So, there really were no African American woman CEOs. It was just unheard of. I just wanted to tell you her story quick because she essentially is the greatest goal setter of all time, I would say. So, she decided that she wanted to become a CEO in high school. She made sure she focused on anything possible to improve those odds of becoming a ceo so when she was in high school she held leadership roles in a bunch of clubs bunch of organizations and one day her guidance counselor went up to her and she the guidance counselor told her you know what you should really consider running a business she's like i don't i don't know how to run a business And the guidance counselor was like, yeah, but you could essentially do what you're doing in those organizations, in those clubs every single day if you became the CEO of a company. So in that moment, in high school, she decided, I will be a CEO someday. And I'm going to figure out how to plan around that. So at that age, she actually went and she focused on what her next steps were. So she knew that it was going to be really hard because when she went out and tried to find someone she could mimic, she couldn't find one African-American woman CEO. So what she did after that, she tried to look at what's the best business school. Because if I go to the best business school, I have a better chance of being CEO. So when she was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, she decided she was going to Wharton and Wharton was the best business school at the time. But she broke it down even further because she's like, what industry is going to be important? Because I don't want to just run a bad company. So she said, you know what? I'm going to focus on technology. So that's why Wharton's perfect. She got perfect grades, went to Wharton, and also got straight A's at Wharton. At that point, she saw IBM as the company she would want to be the CEO of. She went and analyzed every CEO in IBM's past, in the history of IBM, and they, she looked at at how each of those CEOs became CEOs, exactly what their life journey was. And she found that most CEOs at IBM, about 80% of them had sales jobs at IBM before they became CEO. So instead of taking a super high paying job, like everyone else at Wharton, who they pretty much all went to Wall Street, she went to IBM and took a low paying sales job because she knew that if she tried to mimic a lot of these CEOs, she had a whole lot better chance of getting there someday. So she went there, became a salesperson, but she didn't just decide to become a salesperson for life. She made sure she knew exactly where she needed to be by the age of 30 to have the best shot of becoming CEO. So what she did is she created a timeline. And she knew by the age of 30, she had to become a PL and l manager. So within that timeline, she gave herself exact ages in which she had to become like team lead. She had to become the marketing manager. Then she had to become like the second line manager. And she did all of that leading up to like the age of 28. And she kept studying CEOs, right? And she looked at the CEOs at IBM and she goes, oh my gosh, every single one of them went and took jobs and did uh, international business. And she found that like 90% of them, for some reason, took jobs in Japan. So she changed her whole timeline, or essentially her path, and she went and worked in Japan. Off of that job in Japan, she went and decided, you know what? If I'm going to be a CEO, I can't be at IBM. They just don't accept me. They're never going to accept me as her CEO, African-American woman. So I need to change of courses. And she went to Blockbuster, and then I'm gonna shorten this. She went to Blockbuster as a vice president and then became the CEO of a company called Mainstream. But essentially the reason why I think this is so important is because she created a path from the day she was in high school to the day she became CEO. And I think this is really important when you create a vision because every single day, every single step that she took, she had the same vision of becoming the CEO She had a timeline for becoming the CEO, but she also had the ability to pivot that path. She changed the path along the way. And that's not a problem because she still had that vision in mind. The thing that motivates me every day, and that was a long way of getting to this, but I just can't believe someone actually did that much research into their vision and mimicked it perfectly. The thing that gets me going every day or it keeps me focused and. I stay on track every day is I have one goal and one vision. Every little thing I do leads to that vision. Every night before I go home, I sit down and I take out my notebook and I sit there for 30 minutes before I go home and essentially write down all of the tasks that get me closer to getting to that end goal. And if some things on that list don't hit that end goal, that vision, I cross them out. That's how I think of goals and following through that's why when I hear Brandon you talk about keep on grinding essentially I just can't fathom how that's possible so that's why I'm really curious and that's how I do visions and goals
3: what is your uh, one main goal
2: my one main goal is to change the landscape of education and that is a very broad vision and then to break it down further the goal is to change essentially entrepreneurship in schools. I'm doing that through Educating Entrepreneurs. I'm doing that through GoMahi because essentially what I'm doing on all of those platforms is trying to change the way we learn because I kind of think the system's broken and that gets me excited. And I may not have like a specific number. My someday goal doesn't necessarily have a specific number. My five-year goal does. My yearly goal does, but my someday is like pretty broad and I could go into more detail at what schools I want to change and how many students, but that's essentially it.
1: Is that the same someday goal that you had a year ago,
2: three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? It's the same someday goal I had three years ago and my someday goal changed. I can essentially bring it up when we talk about our biggest failure because that's when my someday goal changed.
3: After that long answer, um, I would say that the thing that kind of I think is important to keep you on track, and I know we've talked about this um, before and how I'm terrible at setting long term goals and things like that, but just having, having milestones within those long term goals is so important. And even if you don't exactly 100% hit those milestones, just being aware of where you are um, within your journey is really important and what your next step is. Even if you're behind, it's, it's okay. But I think having those milestones is important so you don't get overwhelmed by the, the major long-term goal. Because your major long-term goal, changing the landscape of education, that is overwhelming just to think about. Like, if you're like, all right, I want to do it. Let's do it right now. It's like, Whoa. Like, what are my steps to do that? What are my milestones that I need to get there? So, I mean, I th- I feel like it always it all it all goes back to breaking it up into steps and how, how to get there and what steps you taking to do that and what milestones you need to reach in order to do so.
2: I agree. It takes planning.
3: <laughs> it takes a lot of planning, and I'm not good at that.
2: And I will never understand why people. Don't actually sit down and plan their lives. I think it scares people a little bit. I think it scares people. Like, what, like,
1: if you sit out and think about that, you're like, whoa, that's like one, it scares people to think, like, what if I don't get there? Then, like, what is my life? And I think the other part is if you sit down and think about it and plan it, you realize, like, shit, that's gonna take some work. And, like, a lot of people, like, don't wanna start that right now. So, like, oh, if I don't think about it, then I don't have, like, I'll I'll make progress towards, like, my goal, but, like, if I don't have it on paper looking me in the face every day, I'm not going to feel as guilty when I, like, take a day off or a week off. You know what I mean? That could be totally wrong, but that just because I I have that same thought as, like, why don't people do this? But that, I don't know. I I think it's interesting. That's
3: definitely interesting. I think one one other thing off that is um, that I was kind of thinking about with this answer A lot of the times we get caught in kind of the details and the minutia of things we do throughout the day and we don't really take a step back and what we really need to do is take a step back and look at how it fits into the bigger picture. Um, I'm going to nerd out right now, but when I'm in my accounting role and I'm just like so deep in like an Excel spreadsheet and I'm like, all right, what is, my end goal? what is my end goal here? Like I'm trying to get my client a deliverable. How does this fit into the bigger picture of this deliverable? Why is this important? You need to take a step back and understand why something's important. And I think that at least for me, I feel like that might be in life. That might be scary to do because let's say one night I spend, I don't know, playing video games or something. And I think about it and I'm like, all right, how does this fit in my bigger picture? Oh, it doesn't. Uh, okay, that's kind of scary. I'm just not going to think about it. And it kind of gets pushed off. Um, so I think that's kind of, and not that that's like an exact example of my life, but like something like that where I'm doing something that doesn't totally fit into the bigger picture, I might just try to avoid it just because I'm like, uh, but I really want to do this right now, but I don't know. I guess it doesn't fit in the bigger picture, so I don't want to plan it out or something. So I guess that's one response to you, Brady, about asking, why don't people plan? And, and something like that is maybe they're just, they realize that it doesn't fit in the bigger picture, but they don't want to think about it.
2: A little bit of guilt.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that I don't even sense. think, I don't even think they should feel guilty. I just think they need to adjust their end goal. I just wish people that love playing video games four or five nights out of the week just accepted that they really like playing video games and then change the plan to fit that. I mean, I don't know. But I also, I guess that requires you to be pretty self-aware. So, and not a lot of us are built with that or it's hard because even that self-awareness takes a lot of time to figure out and plan around. I don't even think it's like the guy that's sitting down playing video games five days a week. I think like when I
1: think about it for like, what joey was saying i think about the person that like one day a week will go like watch tv for a couple hours or like play video games but you still get that like i shouldn't be taking this like this isn't in the plan this isn't making this isn't helping me move progress towards my goal so even this like even though it's like one day people have a tough time with that i could be very wrong but for some reason that's like how i take it probably more than the other way but i guess i don't know i don't i don't do that so
3: right that's kind of the way i was looking at it I agree, Bobby. If if you are going to be doing something that often, you might as well kind of shift your focus and and make and and just like pivot and plan your life maybe around it. If you if you really not around it, plan your life uh, towards it. If you really love it that much, you might as well. But yeah, I was going more towards just like uh, I am gonna sit and watch TV for an hour. Um, I usually don't do it, but I am gonna do it, and now I feel like. I just wasted an hour and now I feel crappy. Yep. I, just, right.
2: I just wish more people understood Then I guess in that sense that if they actually had a plan for their lives, they probably have a ton of extra hours to watch TV because they'd be doing everything more productively and following one pathway that ultimately gets them to their goal. And just like we just were looking into time management stuff, like pretty much all statistics show that if you plan if you for every one hour of planning you do, it saves you ten hours of time working. I'd assume a lot of that also transfers to life plans, just like it does when you go on a trip or anything like that. The amount of time you spend planning, it ultimately saves you a bunch of time when you're doing things.
1: Brady, what do you do? One of them's been touched on. The other two. So the first one is like breaking it down into smaller things, like we've all touched on that. I don't have to touch on it anymore. I just. I'm like one of the people that needs to see like progress or like the milestones that I'm hitting along the way. Like I get lost in the clouds if I'm just like, don't have these like milestones in between me and my five, 10 year goal. Um, But we've talked about that, so I won't go into depth on that. Um, The second one is visualize is a huge one for me. Like me seeing myself there in a year, five years, two years, whatever, a month down the road, helps me so much stay like connected to my goal. Um, And usually that's just like 10 minutes a day for me. But literally, like seeing yourself there, feeling what it feels like, I think it sounds like it sounds just bonkers to me. For me, it's been so helpful. Um, when I get like lost or I'm, I feel like I'm not like making progress or I start to get disconnected from like what I really want, visualization helps me so much to say, like, no, I know this is what I want. Like, I know this is what I wanna do. Um, so that's one, been a huge one for me. And usually it's 10 minutes a day. So nothing too big, but um, that's the big second one. And then the third one is keeping it in mind. So for me, like when I have something that I want to do, whether it's five years, 10 years, whatever down the road, I always write it out. So like I have it in like post-it notes in my wallet. I have it in post-it notes, like on my wall. I have it like on a piece of paper that's written in my notebook, just so I'm constantly reminded of it. Like I have it on my calendar and that might be like overboard and overload for some people. But for me, it's just like, it's just a little daily reminder. Like I don't cognitively like think about it or read it every single time. I'm I'm like flipping through things or, walking through my room, but I think just me seeing it subliminally, um, keeps it at the top of my mind at all times. So pretty much everywhere I go, like my room, I mean, the things that I use the most, my, my notebook, my journal, my calendar, um, the wall, like before I leave, um, to walk out the door, it's just little reminders all the time. And it keeps me like the same as the visualization. It keeps me connected to my goal and, um, keeps me always thinking about it. So it's easier to do tasks and and uh, get things done when i'm when i'm thinking about it on a on a daily minute like minute to minute basis so i love that reminders i'm going to do that for sure it just it's just easy you know and it's not something you really think about either it's just i think it like flashes in your head and it just gives you that brief
2: like this is why i'm doing what i'm doing Because I think I also have it broken down so logically or so analytically that I have like a plan that I follow every day and I'll go like three weeks, four weeks without thinking about what the end goal is. Mm -hmm. And randomly I'll be like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought of the end goal for weeks. And that's probably why some of my passion was draining away because I was just, I was really just trying to become passionate about the task at hand instead of what I was trying to create. I get like really caught up in
1: like, I'm going to complete these three things today. And they're they're for a good reason. They're for your bigger goal. But I feel the same way. Like I get very burnt out if I'm just completing tasks to complete tasks, and I don't connect it back to why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because like ultimately, you're making all those like little sacrifices, whether sacrifices or whatever. You're completing all those little tasks to get to the one the one thing that you're focused on, right? Um, but when you stop thinking about that, then it just becomes like you doing tasks for the sake of completing tasks, and I think that burns out anybody.
0: All right. Do we have an EE?
2: update yeah someone actually finished a uh, a lesson so a lesson is done which is pretty exciting we have a bunch of data dumps so that's exciting we are uh, pretty convinced that we'll have module 1 up in june and then after our module 1 launch in june we'll actually have modules entire modules showing up probably every two months from there on out. So you're going to have essentially one course come out, a full course every two months, which is going to be awesome because you're going to be able to, we're going to give you the ability to sit there, start your company in June, and then follow along until you actually make it into something. We're going to touch every point to your personal life, To hiring people, to filing with the state, to doing taxes, to making websites, to actually running that business successfully. We're going to touch every bit of it in order, and you can follow along with us course by course, module by module, and it's going to be awesome as hell.
0: All right. Yeah. So get ready for that, guys. That fired me up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check us out on all the social media stuff. Find our blogs on LinkedIn. We'll post about them on Instagram when they do come out and on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Go to the website, educatingentrepreneurs.com to find everything that we're doing there. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your week.